Amen. Things can change when you just praise His name. Because if you don't want to praise Him, He can make the rocks praise Him. He's good. He's really good. If you would, uh, you can turn to Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3. Um, if you're taking notes, the sermon uh, title is a Firm Foundation. A Firm Foundation. Notice I have a lighthouse there in the back. seventh month was come, the children of Israel were in the cities. The people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up, stood up uh, Jeshua, the son of Zadok, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Sheltel, and his brother, and builded the altar of God, of the God of Israel. To offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon the basis, for fear was upon them because of the people of the countries. And they offered burnt offering thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offering morning and evening. They kept also the feast of tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the custom as the duty of every man required. And after the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and of every one that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord, from the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa according to the grant that they had of Cyrus king of Persia. Now in the second year of their uh, coming into the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month began Zerubbabel the son of Sheltel and Jeshua the son of Zadok, uh, Josedoth 
and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity into Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward, to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah together to set forward the workmen in the house of God. And the sons of Hinnadab with their sons and their brethren the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph with cymbals, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But Many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. Father, we just come to you now. We ask that uh, your word would go forth, Lord, that it would not come back void. Father, I thank you um, for leading us and guiding us. I thank you that the two or three are gathered. Father, you're in the very midst of us. Thank you for your son's blood covering and cleansing us from sin, Father. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this meal we're about to share, Father. I pray you bless this word and let it uh, be planted in our hearts, Father. Bring forth fruit worthy of repentance, God. Worthy of a life changed for you. build a foundation here today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So if this story sounds a little familiar, it should be uh, preached on uh, um, Zechariah 3 uh, the other day, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was about Joshua and Zerubbabel. Joshua and Jeshua, these are the same person here. Uh, about how King Cyrus of Persia, this is the second captivity, okay? And those of you who might be unfamiliar with Bible history, um, Jerusalem, Israel became a nation. They would not obey God, right? They knew God, they forgot and started to rebel 
They started worshiping other things, idols. They would not obey him. So God let the Assyrians come in and take Israel captive. That was the first captivity. Okay? And of course, God delivers them, restores them, and the process starts over. Time sets in, and little by little, they begin to worship false gods and stop following their God. And God sends prophets to warn them again. Isaiah was warning of the Assyrian captivity. Uh, Jeremiah was warning of the Babylonian captivity. He's saying, hey, the Babylon, Babylonians, they're coming. Right? You, you need to repent. You need to change your ways or they're going to come. And it's going to be too late. You will be delivered to Babylon. And just as God said, they didn't heed God's warning. Right? Uh, and it happened just like God said it was <coughs> God showed mercy. He told them. It's the same thing. We show mercy to our children every time we say, don't do that. Right? If we caught them off guard and they didn't know they weren't supposed to do it, it'd be one thing. But we tell them. We give them mercy. Say, hey, this is for your good. Don't do this. Right? And uh, nine times out of ten, they'll do it and they'll get in trouble. Right? Um, but we warned them. We told them. And this is what God over and over again does to Israel. This is, uh, is going to lead in ways of destruction. Right? This is not for your good. This is not the plan I have for you. Uh, but yet they would not listen. Jesus called them a stiff-necked people, always rejecting the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, rejecting God's advice. Rejecting God's truth, right? Why? Because we've got better things to do, apparently. Uh, we've, got, we've got our own lives, right? Uh, he gives us this free will, and it's so liberating that sometimes we decide to use that not to worship God, not to serve God, but to do our own thing, worship ourselves. To do what pleases us, regardless of what God has to say. Well, where we're at in Scripture is um, they have been in Babylon for some time now, and God has heard their cry of repentance. Right? They're in the doghouse, so to speak, and finally it comes to them. We should probably cry out to God and repent and uh, see what he does. And, of course, he shows favor through King Cyrus. Cyrus grants them money, grants them favor. Grants them a whole exile back to their homeland, back to Israel. And uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel have been chosen to lead the way. Zerubbabel being the king, Joshua being the high priest. Uh, we covered a little bit of that. And so now they're back and they're building and they have laid the foundation. And they're all erupting in praise, some of them, right? Uh, the ones that can remember, right? And they, they're going to be old up in their 80s, 90s, 100s. Um, 
They remember the old temple, right? And they are weeping. Others are praising for what new is, is here. Others are weeping because they remember how it used to be. Um, but it's focusing on this foundation here. Ezra 3.11, we'll go back there. And this is the foundation of, of the message here. And they sang together by course in, in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Okay? So there's restoration happening. There's rebuilding happening. And the foundation of the house of the Lord is now laid. Right? I just want to say to the older generation, it's not going to look like the last house that was built, right? It's not going to look like the last temple. You might mourn and miss some things about how it used to be. But what God is doing is new, and He is building a foundation. Right? And he is building a new temple here um, that will provide the same service as the old temple. It will look different, but it will be the same Holy Spirit that inhabits it, the same um, atoning that the high priest does to wash your sins, the same purpose. So you might mourn because of older ways the church might have did things. But look around, right? God is here and he is moving and he is drawing individuals. I don't think you're here today just by accident. Um, if I'm talking to you, usually it's, it's by the Lord. I, I run into people and I tell them about Jesus. And about their need for him. Uh, I needed somebody to run into. When I didn't know Jesus. And so that's. That's how I run into people. So I'm glad you're here today. I think the Lord wants to tell you something. About a foundation here. Um, laying a foundation. If you're a carpenter. Or if you know anything about building. The first thing you do in a foundation is you got to make it square. Right? It's got to be perfect. <coughs> if it's not, it's going to fall. It's going to fail. Everything you do will not be square. <coughs> uh, the building will not stand. Um, here in old times, to make it square, they cut a cornerstone. Right? And it was going to be a perfect 90-degree cut. It had to be a perfect stone. Because the rest of the entire foundation would be built upon this one stone. So they weren't focusing on the entire area. They are focusing on one stone. And this stone would make the rest perfect. Because if this, now if this stone is off, 
The rest is off. But if this stone and this foundation is perfect, the rest will fall in line. The rest will be perfect. And so today I'm just going to share with you about um, what Scripture says about this cornerstone, this foundation that your life should be built on. And if your life is, and this is where the praise comes from. This is where all the thanksgiving comes from. It's when the foundation of the house is laid. So, I'm going to be talking about the foundation of your house. What does it look like? Right? How is it laid? What does that have to do with you? We start to see this foundation all the way back in Isaiah here. Isaiah 8, 14. It says, And he shall be a, for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense, both to the house of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We also see in Isaiah 28:16 it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste, shall not worry, shall not be afraid. <coughs> not be offended. Okay? So here, we see, all the way back in Isaiah, God talking about this foundation. That it's not just a thing, a set of principles, a religious dogma. It's not just going to church or doing this or doing this or checking off what it means to be good. We see this foundation. It says, <clears throat> it says he, right? He's making it personal here because there's only one rock of offense and stone of stumbling, right? See, if you don't know Jesus in this message, you're going to trip right over. It actually says, if, if you don't fall and break on him, right? If you'll fall and break on the stone, when it's all set up, the stone is going to fall on you. And it's going to grind you to nothing. Power, right? Jesus is very serious about this foundational stone in your life. Why was it a stone of stumbling and rock of offense? How can Jesus make people stumble? Right? Because he's the way. And he's the only way. Amen. And if you want your way, you'll stumble right over. Amen. He was speaking to religious Jews. It says, here's what the scripture says. I came to my own. He's a Jewish Messiah. Okay? Savior of the whole world, but a, a Jewish Savior. He came to his own, the Jewish people. And they received him 
not. And that's how they stumbled on him. He came and said, I'm not going to deliver you from the Romans. I'm going to save you from your sins. Amen. And they said, no one can save us from sins. But God, you're a blasphemer. They put him on a cross and they killed him, right? Hung him on a tree as a blasphemer when he was the Savior. That's how they stopped him. They said, we have our own way of serving God. They were all religious. Right? We know God. And Jesus said, you know every scripture. This is what Jesus said. You know every scripture. But every scripture speaks of me. And you don't know me. And he actually said, you think you have salvation in the scriptures. Oh, you read your Bible even. But they're all talking of me. And you don't know me. Because if you did know me, you wouldn't want to kill me. And because you want to kill me, it proves that you don't know me. He came to his own people, and they knew him not. That's how he was a stone of stumbling. Many times in your lives, you'll notice a voice in your head telling you to stop. You'll know a voice. Telling you, it ain't worth it. It ain't right. And every time you get stiff-necked and suppress that voice, you stumble over that stone. Because that's the voice of God. And you think, ah, it's in my mind. Can't be. It's just me. No. No. If it's a voice wanting you to change, Wanting you to forgive. Wanting you to choose a different path. Right? I guarantee it's the voice of the Lord. But he wants you to start off well. And to do that, if you're going to build anything, if you're going to build a life of God, you need a sure foundation. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. It says, For we are laborers together with God. Yea, uh, you are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that, than that is laid, which is, right? What is the foundation? Jesus Christ. It's the Son of God, manifest in the flesh. Right? And I promise you, if you build your life on that, you build your life in Him. Your house will not fall. You build your house on anything else. It's going to be wrong. You might put Jesus in a different place. 
You might say, I've got Jesus, I've got the stone, but you put him somewhere else. You don't make him the corner. You don't make him in the position where all other things are built upon. The house will not stand. Ephesians 2, 19. Through 22. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, Jesus is wanting to totally transform you. He wants to make your house solid, but he's saying you must build it on him. If you really want something to praise about, if you want want to give thanks on this day, it must be to the cornerstone of your life. What is the cornerstone of your life? What is the reason you do the things you do? What influences your decisions? If there's never a thought of, Lord, what do you want, right? Then it's probably someone else steering the ship. Right? You're probably living your life with a different cornerstone. You're probably living your life for someone else. (coughs) Could be yourself, could be others. But if you find that your house is washing away, that things are not lining up, fear, anxiety, depression, you might have a different cornerstone. First Peter chapter two. Starting in verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 3. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God. Precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up into a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were all, uh, they also, also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar 
people that you should live, that, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which are in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, that's what happens when you make him your chief cornerstone. A veil, Scripture says there's a veil over your eyes, over everything, over your head. And until you cry out to God, it will not be lifted. But the moment it's lifted, you realize my life was very dark. Yes. And I've seen a light shine, right? I see, I see the light. That's what happened to me. I was in darkness, and then he brought me into his light. And I could see. I thought, my whole life's been alive. Look at this. I've been going about living for myself. Yep. <clears throat> Doing what pleased me. I'm the captain of my ship. Lo and behold, I just steered myself right to the sandbar. Right? Washed up. <clears throat> How you going to get out of the sand? You're going to have to call somebody. And somebody's name is going to have to be Jesus. Right? And he'll make he'll, he'll make your house different, I promise you. He'll, he'll make your house worth living in. Come on. He'll make your house worth living in. You ever been to a house where, where it's just, um, you think, it's just not worth living in. I used to go to lots of drug houses, right, uh, and live in those. There'd be a drug mama there. She'd take care of all of us drug kids. It's a pretty sad scene. It's just how it was. And as a house that wasn't good to live in, I was never happy in those houses. Just a place to use another drug, to cover up pain. A house that's unlivable. That's really how I felt about myself. Right? That it's not worth living in. What's the point of living when Jesus, you make Jesus your cornerstone, He'll give you a new, he'll, he'll show you the light. He'll bring you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He'll give you a new perspective. He'll give you a new mind. He'll give you his spirit. He'll give you a new heart. You will be a peculiar people. You'll be totally different. I'm totally different. If you had known me 13 years ago, you'd, be, you'd have some words to say. Uh, some of you did. And still do. I heard that. <laughs> it's all good. And can't you believe this? Look at this. I'm done. This is it. This is the last, last verse. But it's really, it's a short message, right? And, uh, but it's one you need to take to heart. 
because it's the foundation from which you build your entire life on. And you're either going to stand or you're going to fall. And that's why I chose the lighthouse. Because this is the parable we're about to read here in Luke 6, 46. Do you want to go there? And I'll, I'll just read it and I'll explain. Luke 6, 46. Because listen, Jesus is saying something here. He's talking about the foundation. That's a, a crucial statement right before because that's just how Jesus is. He's not going to let you get off feeling like God loves you just, just, and, and there's nothing you've got to do. Now, it's by faith, it's not by works. But what I'm saying is God is going to convict you. He's going to make you face your darkness. He's going to make you face those commandments that you can't live up to. He's going to make you face your sin. He's not going to hide it. He's not going to cover it. He's going to make you face it. And he's going to make you ask him to save you from it. He will never brush by sin or, or disobedience. He doesn't do that. He's a good father. Good fathers do not let their children be disobedient. I just think there's no way. There's no way. Uh, and then you see kids that just run all over the place, and you think to yourself, he needs to be a better father, or vice versa. Now, my kids are like that, too, I get it. But in the general sense, um, you feel bad for kids that you see are just wild as all get out, because you realize they're probably their, their, their parental uh, status is not a good one. Which is why they act the way they act. Luke 6.46 says, And why you call me Lord? Right? Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me, heareth my sayings, and do them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house. And dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Can you go back to the first slide? Just the very first one. Right. Yeah, you see that? That's a lighthouse. Now, when I picture this parable, I always picture um, just a regular house. But when I got to thinking about it, I thought, you know, this is really, a lighthouse really is what fits here. Because it's right in the middle of the ocean, and the storms are coming. And God promises storms. 
and even after massive floods. You see the lighthouse. It just stays standing. Waves beat up against the... It's a perfect example. Now, if you were to build that, it, but you always see it, it's, it's right on rock. Lighthouses are always built upon rock. They're never built on the shore. You never see that on the shore. You'll see it on a rock, a little peninsula up there. Because if you build a lighthouse on the shore, it's immediately going to buckle. It, you probably won't even be able to start building it. But when you see the lighthouse, it's always built on a rock. It's never moved. It's always giving light for those out in the ocean. Storms are coming. It's not going anywhere. Right? Some of you need the cornerstone. Some of you need to know that rock. Some of you need to change your lives. Because the storm is coming and might already be here. But God says, if you make him your cornerstone, if you make Jesus Christ, if you stop stumbling over him and just place him in the corner of your life, that's what you've got to do. Stop stumbling over the word of God. Just place it in the corner of your life. Watch what God does. Watch the restoration that happens. Right? I get it. You're, you, you might have been a slave in a faraway land. Right? You might have started something you didn't know was going to go this far. And now you're stuck in it. Right? That's what they were. They were captives in Babylon. But they come back, they restarted, <laughs> and they laid a good foundation. Amen. You want Jesus to just get reset on your life? Yeah. Right? Make you brand new. Come on. Build it on a rock. Build it on a rock today. That means. 
It means your house is on the sand. You call him, Lord, but you don't do a word he says, and you can. Because it's not designed for you to do it without him. You say, you got to say, God, give me a new heart to be obedient to That's what Ezekiel says. I will give you a new heart, and I will give you my spirit so that you may keep my commandments and my statutes. You can't keep them without them. Don't call me Lord and don't do what I say. Jesus has scripture after scripture in there of how you should love people. How you should give your life for the brethren. How, how Christian living is nothing but sacrifice. But you're not willing to sacrifice one thing for Jesus. It means you need it. Don't trip over him today. Invite him into your heart. Say, God, I need you. I need him. He changed me. Altars are open for being Thank you. 